Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery Podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms. The story of addiction and the road to recovery. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step-based organizations or groups in any way. This is part two with my episode, my interview um, with my special guest, Pat, not only my friend, part of my work team, my recovery team. And this is where the miracle really happens. You know, part one, we really talked about it. I mean, this is a guy who had every opportunity in life to be successful, uh, exceptional salesman, uh, him and his dad, million dollar businesses, um, traumatic accident, opiate addiction, you know, and everything that comes with that. And ultimately it comes to to a big head and it ultimately all falls down just like it always does. And in uh, 2018, you know, Pat picks up a three and a half year prison sentence. So let's welcome Pat back to the show. Hey, guys. And so. Three and a half year prison sentence, Pat. You know, this is your first experience with prison. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what it was like, you know, going through Alhambra, getting a three and a half year prison. Because, you know, in the beginning, you know, I did a three and a half. I did an eight year prison sentence. And I thought three and a half was was the end of the world for me. And then I caught that eight. And that really just hit me in the chest like a ton of bricks. But what was it like going to prison? You know, Arizona DOC. What was that time period like for you? Well, the first thing that I remember was when I was at court and the judge told me the amount of time I was getting. And I'm like, me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I'm from Ahwatukee, yeah, player. Exactly. <laughs> I got a bachelor's in this and a bachelor's yeah. in that, right? I just had a lot of dishonesty and ego at that time that hadn't been treated. So I felt like I was being targeted, right? But what the judge explained to me was, you should have got 12, man. Yeah, you, you got lucky. three and a half was love. Yeah, you're lucky. You know, what about everything they found? You know, what about everything else you were doing? Like, so what did you actually go to prison for? So I went to prison for theft of means of transportation. Oh, you stole a vehicle? Allegedly? Allegedly. Well, you got charged for it. No, I got charged for it, so I did it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What what kind of car? So basically, it was one of those jail terms I was doing, right? I I went to Scottsdale Police Department on a, I got released from 4th Ave Jail, took a taxi cab, didn't pay for it. He called the cops. I'm in the bathroom getting high on dope. The cops kick in the door. I throw the rig down the toilet. Boom, I'm cuffed. They take me to jail. They release me the next day. I'm sick as fuck at this point. This is right before my prison sentence. I spent all that money. I don't have a phone. The only thing I know is where to go to get dope, right? So I walk out the front of Scottsdale Police Department, and there's a a construction crew on the side of the road right there, you know, doing their work. You know, have all their equipment out there, picking up the road, repaving it. And there's a big-ass construction truck with the keys in it. Yeah, I'm going to need that. I got to get to the dough man quick. (laughs) You know what I mean? Every minute counts. (laughs) (laughs) So I see that opportunity, man. And all I could think was, damn, dude, as long as I could get this vehicle, I can make it there before the cops will catch me. Right. There's a full fledged trailer on this thing, dude, like a two ton trailer. (laughs) So I, I get out. I see that the keys are in there. I go to the back, try to unhook the trailer. And then I take off in this truck. I'm looking in the rear view. Are they going to see me? Are they going to see me? No one sees me, right? The trailer doesn't fall off, but all the pins and everything are disconnected. So then I got to get on the freeway, right? (laughs) I almost turned this thing into the wall because at this point, I can't control a freaking full-fledged construction truck with a two-ton trailer. Dude, I'm jittery. I can't even see straight. You know, I'm dope sick. So I'm just trying to get to uh, the dope man, right? And uh, right before I exit... I had to slam on the brakes because I didn't put enough on it at first to compensate for the trailer. The trailer smacks into the back of the truck and comes off and the trailer falls off the truck in the middle of the freeway 
and I just take off, man. Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gone. Yeah. Done. Right. So a couple more minutes later, I'm high. I'm, I'm at the plugs house getting high. And uh, Did you sell them the tools in the truck. I sold them the generators. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sold them the generators. I said, listen, call your plug. Does he like generators? Yeah. <laughs> what can I get for this? Can I get a couple ounces at least? Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a dub. I'll take it. Right. Yeah. And so go ahead. Yeah. So basically what that looked like for me is, is complete desperation. Right. I was um, at that point, I, like I said, I had spent all my money, um, ran up all my connections. Um, my family wasn't answering the phone for me anymore because they knew I was full of shit. The last time I talked to my mom, I was on the phone crying, saying, I need a hotel room, mom, I'm homeless, you know, and uh, that's what it looked like for me, dude, just complete desperation. And uh, then I'm at the plugs house, right? I'm in this stolen vehicle. Oh, you got it parked in the driveway? Parked right in the parking, the covered parking spot, right? <laughs> like I live there or something, right? So then it was my bright idea to uh, go joyriding in this thing, dude. We pull up to Circle K's, jump the counter, pull all the lotto tickets, scratch them off, and go to the next one and sell them just to come up with enough cash to get enough dope for the day. Well, that luck ran out, brother. Yeah, it always does. <laughs> that luck ran out, and uh, we found ourselves at QT at 2 in the morning with, the, with six squad cars behind us with the guns out. And that was the end of time for me. And so you find out, you find out, you know, that you're going to prison now this time. Right. Three and a half year prison sentence. And you, where was the first one you went to? First yard. So the first yard I hit was Kingman. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Nothing good happens in Kingman. Right. Worst. Oh, my God. They do have a beautiful view from the yard. Well, I the mean, it's a drug addict's paradise. Yeah. <laughs> it is. There's about 75 drug dealers there. <laughs> right. They have pounds of drugs buried out there. I mean, yes. I've never... It, the drugs in Kingman are cheaper than they are in the streets. <laughs> right. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And everybody you lay next to has dope. Yeah, and I'm telling you right now, they'll take anything. They'll take used socks. <laughs> they'll, they'll give you value for them. I mean, they will take half shampoos, 50 right. cents. Yeah. I mean, it is nuts in Kingman. And so, you know, you're in Kingman for a period of time, and ultimately you end up um, – you know, over there at Florence North unit. And that's where we meet in the kitchen that day. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you know, you were talking to, to junior. It was one of my sponsees at the time. He introduced me to you in the clipper room and he asked me to, to work with you and be, I mean, I, you asked me to sponsor you before you went to a meeting, right? You did. I right. remember that. I was yeah. like, well, let's start with the meeting brother. <laughs> right. Uh, but we start tonight, you show up to the meeting and we'll kind of go from there. And so what ends up happening, man, is we take this journey together, dude. And I get to witness a miracle happen right in front of my eyes. And, you know, I remember, you know, because it's it's a process, man. You know, when we're living in prison, it's another world. There's there's the prison rules, prison politics, prison rules that that compromises the rules and the principles of the program. Mm -hmm. And so we're living this life. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, when you were working in the kitchen and you were selling potatoes out the kitchen so people could make hooch, prison alcohol, and you've been working your steps and you came to me one day or I seen you doing it <laughs> and you came to me and you're like, hey, bro. And I'm like, look, I understand you don't got no money. You're hustling, you know, but at some point. You know, we have to cut all those behaviors out. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember. We had a, we had a sit down. I thought I was going to get whacked. Tom Mafia. <laughs> right. So Jason sits me down. We're at the picnic table out in front of the entire yard. And he's like, listen, man, just so you know, everybody that goes to the meetings, everybody in the fellowship sees you hustling out of the kitchen door. You know, he's like, I, I, I'm not judging you, man. But at some point, you're going to have to make some changes. Right. And at that point, I was like, dude, you know what? that must look really fucking bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm doing my steps. I'm trying to become a better person. 
And at that point, I was like, you know what? I need to start taking some further action. And you cut it out and you stopped doing it. And you went back and you told everyone you weren't going to do it anymore um, because you worked in the kitchen for a long period of time. But we started working those steps. So let's kind of talk about that for a minute. So when you think about the steps, you know, what do what do they mean to you? What you know, what sticks out to you? What realizations did you have? Why don't you explain your experience with the steps for everybody? So it was a beautiful experience for me because, for one, I had my brother over here as a sponsor, a guide to a new design for living for me, right? Because at, at that point, I had already ruined all my relationships in my life. I had lost everything financially. All the material things in my life had been gone from all the hotel doors getting kicked in from the cops. And I was done, man. I was I was at a point where I, I was still having thoughts of, damn, maybe I can get out and call Paco, you know, yeah. <laughs> build up a business, get some cash real quick. But then I I decided I wanted to try something different and start taking suggestions from other people. And once I did that, man, it was beautiful. I remember uh, doing the first couple of steps with you and I was kind of taking my time. Yeah, you were. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And, and, and I remember there was a couple of times that really stuck out to me where I, I really felt some change. One of them was at a meeting where I completely told a bunch of lies. Right. But after I said that, I said, listen, guys, I'm full of shit. Like, <laughs> I'm completely full of shit. That was all a lie. And that was such huge growth for me because that showed me that I could be honest without getting judged from other people. Right? And, you, and, you know, usually, you know, and so that's ultimately, you know, when we, we got to make these changes and we have to start being honest and we've been dishonest for so long, that honesty, we're, there's fear attached to it. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, we are people pleasers. We want to be liked. We have low perception of self. And we don't think if people knew the truth about us that they wouldn't like us. But usually the truth is usually funnier. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the true stories are usually even funnier, you know, and I remember that meeting and you shared and then you shared again. We're like, dude, I'm full of shit. I just lied to you guys. My right. bad, dude. I don't want to live this way anymore. And that was a real breakthrough for you um, because we were manipulators. And so what else sticks out to you? Um, the second thing that really stuck out to me was uh, when we did our step three, right? When it was time for me to make a decision and then turn that decision into action. Now, remember, we go out to this beautiful sunset together, man. And, and I'm just feeling this experience overwhelming me right this overwhelming sensation of me just being okay not having the fear of the future anymore not having to try to control everything in my life just letting go and letting something else flow into me that is not my control and that just really stuck out to me because it was such an amazing experience with that sunset out there on the baseball diamond yeah i remember and, and we had that conversation <clears throat> And right after that, you're like, yeah, and you better be here tomorrow morning. We're starting step four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 so, and so God was on that yard, man. And I had the privilege of doing, you know, probably a hundred third steps out there, dude. And I would go out there at sunset and we just take it all in and just soak it up. Um, and just, you know, and it says in the big book that if honestly and humbly done a great effect, sometimes a great effect at once will be felt. And it never let me down. It really didn't. And, you know, we felt that together. And then the whole next thing is a vigorous course of action, energy, intensity, and forth. That four step, that's like, you better be ready in the morning, brother, because we're <laughs> right. getting putting pen to paper. Yeah. And so we did the four step. What sticks out to you in the four step? The four step, what really stuck out to me is all of, I, I didn't think I was, I had a lot of anger built up, right? I thought that I could just portray this life of somebody that wasn't angry until I started writing down my resentments, uh -oh. right? <laughs> started putting it down on paper and I'm like, damn, 
I was angry. You know, my childhood was kind of fucked up. I have some deep resentments that I've never taken care of. And then we go to the fears and I had more fears listed than I could even ever think of. Right. Because it took me some time. I actually really put in the effort on my four step at that point after taking suggestions from Jason and, and trying to really just transfer my identity into a new person, I really started taking it seriously. And uh, that's when I just started writing everything that I could think of down, everything that I had a resentment towards, anybody that had hurt me or anybody that I had hurt myself included, and uh, the fears. I didn't want my life to be ran by fear anymore, right? So I wrote everything down that I was afraid of. I looked at my sex inventory and said, damn, I don't want to attract these chicks from strip clubs anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want to attract. Shout out to all the dancers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't want to attract chicks that are homeless looking for the, the dope man, you know, and just to, to stay with me because I have drugs. I want to develop a relationship with the opposite sex that I'm attracted to. Right. With a good character. And so I wrote those things down, man. I wrote those things down and I really started to live by those things. And then when we sat down together and we started to look at my all of the things that I had written down and you were like, I've done the same shit. I felt so much freedom. <laughs> I felt so much freedom because I was like, damn, Jason's going to think I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the most important part, man, when we sit down as a sponsor and you just get to say me too, you know, I've been through the same things. I've done the same things. I don't have to live that any that way anymore. Let me show you how I treated them. Let me give you some suggestions, you know, because when we look at that four step, we're completely consumed by resentments and typically we're unaware. And then we're also unaware that it's all our fault. Our actions are to blame for everything that we do. Fear touches every aspect of our lives because when we run on self-will, our self-will, basically, I got a fear of going back to prison. So when I do what I want to do and you do what you want to do, Multiple we, felonies. we commit five felonies a day. We do everything we can to go back to prison. And then we look at the, you know, the sex inventory. And not only did you date dancers and strippers and all that, but you had a lot of good girls. But you were so fearful of telling them the truth because they wouldn't want to be with you, most likely, because you were off the chain. So we lie. We manipulate. Right. Then we get found out. Then we bounce out. And we don't want to live that way anymore. And the sex inventory really gives us the ability. And I remember you straight dragged your feet through one, two, and three. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and then we had that third step experience. Right. And then you really got busy after that. And then we did that fist step together. Yeah, that fist step, man. <laughs> All that guilt and shame came right out. Damn Dude, that. wasn't it? It was summertime, 115 degrees, <laughs> sitting out at a picnic table, pouring down sweat at one o'clock in the afternoon. Pouring. Two hours we were out there. Two hours, man. Two full hours. And honestly, that was such an amazing experience for me because that's really when I started taking honesty seriously. That's really when I was starting to apply the things that I was talking about to my life, right? So I stopped living that double life. I stopped being fake and I started being real. I started to open up to someone else and sharing with them complete honesty. And that was a huge change for me, man. And it felt so good. It felt so good to open up to you and to tell you all the fucked up shit that I had done, right? The stuff that wasn't in my four step because it, it hadn't affected anybody or there was no fear there or it wasn't in my sex inventory, but there were still loose ends that I needed to take care of. And I sat down with you and poured everything out to you. And it was such a good, I remember at first Jason was laughing, right? And I'm like, this motherfucker's <laughs> laughing, but he wasn't laughing because he, he, he thought it was crazy. He was laughing because he had done some similar shit. Right? <laughs> exactly, dude. And so, 
you know, that's how we forgive ourselves, man. That's why sponsorship is so important because every time we say me too, every time we're like, I've done the same things, what we're starting to do, it doesn't make any of those things okay. But what we're doing is we're switching the attachment to gratitude. I become grateful that I've done those things because now I can walk you through that fifth step. You know, that's truly what it's all about. And you create that identity in six and, and seven and you make some amends. You're chairing meetings. You finish the steps. You start sponsoring guys. I mean, you had service commitments. I mean, at North Unit, man, we had 40, 50, 60 guys at meetings. Right. I mean, we were the biggest gang on the yard. There was <laughs> no right. there was no joke about that, dude. And, and you know, I just got to watch this amazing transformation. I mean, I witnessed so many miracles. And when I think about everyone, just like our story and going to the kitchen, not wanting to be there, but knowing I had to. And I had to do my part and seeing God work through me to help you and watch him work. Through, I mean, dude, it's a, it is a miracle, man. And so you get out of prison in 2021 and you go to new freedom that's right and what was that experience like so i really started at that point to just dive in full flesh into my recovery right i, I was taking it very seriously to back up a little bit we all got moved oh that's right i was gonna say right. that yeah we all got moved from north unit and i remember i was the last sponsee jason had that completed the steps so for me, I was so new and I still had a lot of fear of like, how can I be a good sponsor? Right. Jason had saw me sponsor a couple of new guys and then they just tore the sponsorship away from me. Right. And sent us off somewhere else. And I went to Winslow and they had no recovery. Right. Felix was there and you know yeah, how she, Felix is. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm working with the administration and just getting tons of pushback, man. Tons of pushback. We don't need this. We don't need that. So I started showing them that I was capable of creating meetings that they could support, right? So I started building meetings. I started the HA meeting that was on North Unit. I had all the paperwork. Yeah, the Shine a Light meeting? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took that meeting to Winslow. It's still thriving today. I set up Celebrate Recovery with the chaplain over there. Remember, Bill from North Unit yeah. was involved in that. He got moved, so I became the chairperson for that group. And it was just an amazing experience. I got to sponsor quite a few dudes over there and really – started to develop and grow my connection with God. I started to live in gratitude. I started seeing other people change by the action from this program. And uh, that gave me a lot of ammunition to hit the ground running when I got to New Freedom. And so, you know, when we when they closed down Florence North Union, we were sad. We had oh, this huge fellowship. I mean, we were family, man. We lived together. We ate together. You know, went to meetings together. We recovered together, just like it talks about. And there is a solution: be members of a shipwreck. And when you survive that together, you're joined in brotherly and harmonious action. You know, but really, that was God working, right. because what happened was is that level of recovery that we had, which was legendary for real. And then they spread us out all across the state. We all started meetings everywhere we went, and we spread the fellowship, dude. And it is nuts. Everybody knows it says the North Unit All-Stars. Shout out North Unit Recovery Group. Shout get, out. Get on Facebook. Get on the group. Um, and so you end up getting out. You go to New Freedom. And every single one of the North Unit guys that went to New Freedom, straight up All-Stars from there. Shout out Caesar. Shout out Tony. Shout out Justin. Um, shout out Preston. Um, shout out Kale. I mean, I know I'm missing Jeremiah's out now. Shout out Jeremiah. Um, there's so many that, I mean, I'm Bryce, Sean, Bryce, Sean, shout out Sean Warren, Bryce Dutton. I mean, dude, there's so many guys and, and every single one of them, man, um, got there and just, I mean, all stars there. I mean, that's what you did. I mean, you, you hit the meetings, you, you know, all the groups that you were in, you know, you, I, I was safe to say you were probably teaching that group from the chair. Well, the funny thing was, is, uh, your wife used to sit in 
on on our groups because she knew what was coming. Every time she came in, I would I would basically just push the program of recovery to the group because I I saw that it was able to change my life and it's capable of changing others. And I wanted other people to feel that spiritual experience, man. So basically what that looked like for me was um, in the morning to start my day, I would always meet with a sponsee, right? After the first week I was there, I had six sponsees and I worked with them the entire time I was there. Every single day I was up in the morning before I had a mandatory workout and I was working the program of recovery trying to show other people the way out that I had found, giving freely to them what was given to me. And it was just an amazing experience. Um, There was a little bit of fear involved because I really just wanted to start working and I wanted to do this and I wanted to get a car. I wanted to get my license back. I wanted to get rid of these warrants. But the cool thing about this program is as catchy as it is, one day at a time is so true, man, because when I really just settled down, I took one day at a time. I maybe turned my TV on twice when I was there, right? You have a resort style room with a massive TV, these huge beds, everybody's chilling in their rooms watching TV. I'm out in the internal community there doing service work, right? Helping Sean with the newsletters, helping set up for meetings and gatherings and church services, and really just spending my time to get my character in place before I hit the streets. Right. So I I was just practicing these principles while I was there, trying to build relationships with people, trying to service the community that I was ravaging before I went to prison. And it really worked out beautifully for me. I mean, it I mean, it worked out so good. I mean, you got your driver's license back after, I mean, 13 years, 13 years. You got your driver's license. You got all you had five active warrants when you showed up. You got all those warrants taken care of. You graduated. You had the green lanyard. You were the new freedom guide. You were helping all the newcomers. You were sponsoring guys there. And I remember it was time for you to graduate. And I said, brother, I got a job for you. You want to work in recovery player? And I remember Tony works with us. Shout out, Tony. Shout out, Preston. Shout out, Justin. Shout out, obviously, Pat's on the show. And I remember telling all these guys, you know, years back, I said, you know, when we get out, we're going to take this recovery that we've well, we've gotten here through the big book, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're going to work in recovery together. Not only are we going to work in recovery, but we're going to do it together and we're going to help a lot of people. And that came to fruition, dude. It is a trip. I mean, it couldn't have worked out any better. And so I got you a job um, at New Method Healing Center and you started out working whatever shifts. Now you're the main guy there. You got the, the day shift. You're able to do all that. But in the midst of doing all that, you got your own place. Shout out to your girl, Ashley. Big shout out to her. Shout out, baby. Yeah, shout out to her. You met an amazing girl. You got amazing, you know, with her son and the kids and all the kids, man. And, you know, you get to have that connection with them. You got service commitments. You, I mean, you got that new infinity. I got that player. <laughs> you got that legit infinity. I wrote, I wrote, here's the humbling part of the story is I rode a bike down Camelback with all the dope fiends offering me drugs. You want to hit this? You want to hit that? On my way to work, I'm dealing with all of this shit, right? But I stuck to the program. I stuck to what I had learned. And the cool thing about that was my obsession to get high had been removed. I feel amazing when I wake up in the morning. I don't want to change that. And because of that, I was able to ride my bike for three and a half months to work and back, not thinking about using. And that was fucking a miracle. You know what I mean? Any other time in my addiction, if I was on Camelback, I was looking for dope. Yeah. Right. Now I'm experiencing this new power flowing through me and I don't want to change that. Right. So I'm going to work every day on a bike. 
Um, everybody thinks the white guy on the bike with the backpacks, probably the plug or has <laughs> fentanyl or whatever it is, but that wasn't the case for me this time, man. And it felt so good to save money, to start working on my credit, to start building meaningful relationships in the recovery community. And I was able to save enough money to get my own car. I mean, you got that white infinity too. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to brag, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's clean and, you know, and so it's not the material things, you know, anyone, everybody likes material things, bro. Especially a couple of Italians like us. <laughs> right. I mean, we're wearing Fila track suits, track suits <laughs> right now with the gold chains out, brother. You know, and because that's how we do, you know, but it's the internal happiness that we find. And when we put recovery in God first, everything second becomes first class in our life. Amen. For everybody out there, if you're if there's anything you hear right now, go to page 337 of the big book and read that page because it's so true. It rings true and true time and time again. And your life today just reflects something. I mean, we get to share this moment together on the podcast after everything we've been through from the Clipper Room at North <laughs> Unit to here Lessons. now to work together. The first guest on my se third season, season three, I'm going to be bringing on all my coworkers. Shout out Val. Shout out Ashley. Of course, the big boss lady Yolanda is going to be on there. Joey Landon. Um, shout out to every single one of my coworkers that's going to be on there, man, because this season is going to be off the chain, the recovery team. So you work for our sister company, New Method Healing Center. You know, what's it been like working there? So it's been such an amazing experience to me to actually work in the field of recovery coming from just a background of experience, right? When I, when I had that first interview, I don't know if you knew, but there was other people that had interviewed, mm -hmm. right? And I was the least qualified. There was a lady who had all her certifications or mm -hmm. CPR or first aid training, all of these trainings, but she didn't have the experience, right? She didn't bring the message of hope to the interview like I did. So I landed the job and it felt amazing, man. I, I started out on night shifts, um, just interacting with the clients, sharing experience of how I found a way out and it was noticed, right? So I get that, that phone call, right? Yeah. <laughs> that phone call where they're like, hey, man. I think it's about time for you to start facilitating groups. Yeah, shout out Ro and Mario and everyone at New Method. Right. So I, I get that phone call, and, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous because it had become a part of my routine, right, um, where I had certain things, certain service commitments. I was chairing another meeting, and, and this was going to take that away from it. And uh, so I just I, – I accepted that I wasn't controlling things anymore, and I took the opportunity. And, man, it has been such a blessing because now I'm able to interact with clients, right? I'm able to share my experience of – of a hopeless state of mind and body, creating a new identity for myself and giving hope to the community. And it just feels amazing. Um, at this point now, I'm doing case management within the organization. And that's such an amazing experience for me because I am able to see the complete desperation at the beginning when someone comes into a drug treatment center. And then when they're about ready to graduate and I can develop relationships with people to find them employment and housing, and glasses they haven't been able to have glasses for years and i'm able to develop connections to get that for them and just all of these little things to help them be successful and it's just an amazing experience for me to be involved in i mean and it's only the beginning and you know you know we see a lot of uh, growth in the future i mean it's happened so damn quick for you and for all the guys who really you know recovery works every time the big book works every time the steps work every time when you do every when you surrender to it and you do it i mean when you 
when you gravitate toward it like a drowning man, you grasp onto that big book like a life preserver and you're thorough and you're honest and you take action and you give it everything you can. I mean, your life reflects it time and time again, over and over. And, you know, my thing is the pink cloud they always talk about. Well, the only time you come off that pink cloud is when you stop doing what you did to get on. You've been on a pink cloud now for a hot ass minute now. I've been flying, brother. They call me Superman. <laughs> they call you Superman. And so, dude, I just want to say, man, I love you, dude. And to have you on the show today, you know, I couldn't think of a better guest to start out season three. And it's just an amazing experience to to have you in my life, to be a friend um, and to be have you part of my recovery team, man. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you. I love you, brother. Love you, too, brother. All right. Tune in for the next episode.